0: While they're taking their seats, if you're here and you've got your copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, if you'll take it and turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to read verses 12 through 13 here in a few minutes. Uh, It's going to take us a minute to get there, though. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll begin. Father, we thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do pray, as the song sang, that we would be a bride waiting for her king. And Father, I pray that we would indeed be ready for you. And Father, as we usher in this new year, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and lives. And, Father, I pray that you would indeed map out our footsteps, that we would do what's pleasing and honoring in your sight. Father, I pray now that you would feed your people. Father, I pray that you would use me to do it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's no, uh, it's no surprise that the new year is coming. In 2018, I never dreamed in a million years that I'd see 2018. Uh, I remember being in high school and you guys are, are gonna laugh because I'm a lot younger than most of you. But I remember playing uh sports and you get your letter to put on your jacket and, and you're if you if you play a varsity sport as a freshman, you get your jacket early and then you've got I had a two thousand I had a zero one on my jacket. I never thought two thousand one would get here, right? You guys had much earlier numbers. And you probably and then as the further you get out of high school, if you'd ever go back to a high school and do anything, if you volunteer to school, you'd see high school juniors and seniors walking around with jackets on, and if you were to go to a high school now, you would see twenty on some jackets. Two thousand twenty. Kids are looking forward to graduating. Uh so much time has passed. That I was speaking at a, at a youth event and I dated myself on accident. I was talking about something that happened on September eleventh, two 2001, thinking that they would remember what had happened and most of them weren't even born. Uh, when the Twin Towers fell, September 11th, 2001. That was a pivotal year for my life, uh, right around that same time that the Twin Towers fell. But anyways, 2018 is tomorrow, ready or not, here it comes. And so what I want to do is not as much make any New Year's resolutions this year, but I'm going to look back briefly on 2017. I want to share some really encouraging things for you for the life of our church. Then I want to look at some things that we need to be doing in 2018 and kind of map out what the first quarter uh, is going to kind of look like for our church the direction that I want us to go and hopefully you'll leave here really encouraged and so one of the highlights there's two real highlights out of our year for 2017 I think are the people that helped out with the flood at our church served over 20,000 meals That's a huge number for us Approximately hundred people sitting here right now And so when it comes to all of the flood relief uh, that flood really marks most of our Last year and a half. And so that one is kind of a tough one to get away from. But the other one is one that I want to share with you that is, uh, that is on a spiritual note. If you were to look at statistics, I don't know how much church statistics interest you. I don't know if when you sit down to watch TV, if you like sports analytics or anything like that. But every once in a while you've got to look at numbers. And I just want to tell you kind of where our church measures up with the numbers. And I think that you're going to be very encouraged. Okay. We live in Windsor, North Carolina. Uh, Nothing moves fast. Right. Except for the people that drive down your street. It seems like they're always going faster than everybody else around you. Right. Right. Especially if you all live on Woodard Road, it seems like people drive 90 miles an hour down Woodard Road. Yeah. It seems like I always meet them in the curve. Anyways, so things don't move fast here. We're not, we don't have a booming economy. Things, there's nothing, nobody's building anything. There's been several new houses built in the last year. That's been really exciting for us. But then you go somewhere like Raleigh and they're putting up for every house that we're building, they're building neighborhoods, like neighborhoods the size of our town. And so things move slower here than they do in the rest of the world. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just prepping you for the statistic I'm about to give you. If you were to look at churches and you were to look at church growth models and all of those things, churches that are healthy, okay? If you were to put them all in a list, the top 6% of churches, right? So you take all of the evangelical churches, you put them in a list. The top 6% of churches reach one person for every 20 people in attendance. You got that? The top 6% of evangelical churches reach one person for every 20 people in attendance. You wrapped your mind around that? I'll tell you one more time. The top 6% of evangelical churches reach one person for every 20 people in attendance. Our church last year reached five people with the gospel. There were five people. They got saved last year as a result of the ministries of our church. That puts us reaching one person for every 20 people in attendance. Someone said this morning, so we made the bowl game, right? So we're, we're playing football tomorrow, right? Yeah. We're not playing football January 6th, whenever the national championship is, but we're playing football tomorrow. And gang, I just want to tell you as a word of encouragement that we're not going to run around patting ourselves on the back, but I want you to know that God is is up to something here. He's using us and He's reaching people for the gospel through the things that we're doing here at Kesheah Baptist Church. Jonathan Edwards, when he preached his sermon that kind of ushered in the um, the Great Awakening here in the states, he 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 made an illustration and he said that everyone is is living their life. And everyone who doesn't know Christ is on a conveyor belt whether they realize it or not. And that conveyor belt is taking them towards death. And when they reach death, the the pits of the fiery pits of hell are there ready to accept them. And, and that's what the world looks like who doesn't know Christ. Right? They're living their life, they're on a conveyor belt whether they realize it or not. And at the end of their life, except that they know Christ, hell awaits them. And the scriptures say in Ephesians. That God loves us so much that even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. And so there were people living their life as if nothing was wrong, going about their life, headed towards death. And God used our church to pick them off of that conveyor belt and to put them in the heavenly places next to Christ Jesus, having eternal life as their reward and forgiveness of sins. And that all happened through the ministry of our church last year. So that's not huge numbers. So we're not going to fill up the choir loft and we're not going to have so many people to baptize that the the line is snaking out the door. But percentage-wise, we're doing the same as some of the churches that are in the top 6% of evangelical churches all around the world. And gang, that's good news. That's really good news. And so moving on, I don't know what to do with that, right? I don't know how to share good news. I'm not an old enough guy to know how to share good news without it sounding like we're bragging or being proud of ourselves. But every once in a while, you've got to stop. you got to look at the numbers and you got to pat the whole gang on the back and then we put our head back to the plow and we keep working, okay? All right, thank you, thank you. Here we go. Now, what do we need to be doing as we move into 2018? What are some good things to be doing? Last year... Uh, At this time of year I preached and I kind of made a push hoping that we could all read through the Bible in a year And i'm embarrassed to tell you that I failed miserably last year Right, so my plan was I was going to read through the Bible chronologically For what other reason, the book of Job dealt me a knockout punch that I never recovered from, okay? Like, I sailed through the book of Genesis. I was like, yeah, let's rock and roll. I was ahead of the Bible reading chart. And then I got to the book of Job, and I don't know, I had a tired spell. I got... I got so downcast in the book of Job, not that what I was reading, but I was just falling asleep while I was reading, so I downloaded it. I went to a podcast, I went to iTunes, downloaded, no, I went to Audible and downloaded the Bible on CD. Uh, but it was on my phone, and I would play it in the car while I was riding, and I like to wreck my car because I'd fall asleep listening to the book of Job. I love that book, but for whatever reason, it got the best of me, and then Jimmy Smithwick told me that if I listened to it, it didn't count as reading through the Bible in a year, and so I got frustrated even more at myself, and um, so anyways, I got to give Jimmy a hard time, so I didn't make it, and so this year, Just for myself, I'm going to give it another shot. Uh, I've been to visit Dr. Tarkington before, and he reads through the Bible every single year. Every single year he makes it through. And uh, maybe when I retire, I'll be able to make it through. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to try again this year. But I want to make the same sort of push, but I don't want us to put uh, a timeline on it. I want us as a church body. I want to help us as your pastor to get us in the word together. And I want to tell you why. Okay. I'm going to share with you a couple stories of why it is so important for us to be in the word. We had a young lady from Lawrence Academy. She interned here. She was going to intern in a different church. It fell through at the last minute and she ended up doing her internship here. She wanted to go um, into some sort of ministry. And so we did some sort of job shadowing. I did it with her. And one of the things that I got her to do for the internship was to read a book. So our schedules didn't always match up. But there was a book that I wanted her to read because she was entering the ministry. And Ron, if you'll show it real quick, this is the book that I asked her to read. Aren't you impressed? The book is called Move. There's a church out towards Chicago, big mega church. They spend millions of dollars each year. Listen to this. They spend millions of dollars each year on ministries, okay, on programs, kids' programs, adults' programs. And so the pastor of the church, his name is Bill Hybels. He's a guy that I look up to a lot. I listen to a lot of his sermons and such too. Bill Hybels is the leader of this church. He started out with the church with just a few people. It grew a little bit. They started meeting in a movie theater, and now they've grown. There's thousands of people. That attend this church and so he was trying to assess how beneficial the different ministries they were doing how effective they were And so what they did is they set out and they did a survey of a thousand churches and this book is, the, is kind of the results of that survey They survey a thousand churches about what is it that's helping your people actually grow spiritually So they look at a thousand healthy churches What ministries are you doing in your churches that are actually helping people grow? You're welcome to read this book if you want to, but I'm going to spoil it for you. They found that after spending millions of dollars, we're done with that picture whenever you want, Ron. They spent millions of dollars and the only ministries that churches were doing that helped people grow spiritually were ministries that got people into the word of God, reading it for themselves. They found that all of their ministries, all of the ministries they were doing were ineffective that were not getting people into this book on their own. That same young lady who internshipped here, uh, she told me a story. So I got her to read the book. And then the next time we got together, we talked about the book, right? It was a real nerdy pastor type conversation. And she says, you know, that's really interesting that that book said that because that same thing happened to my dad this year. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, my dad's never really been a, a church attender. He'll go on some holidays and he'd go here and there when something special happened. But for some reason, my dad got a bug not too long ago to read through the Bible in a year. So my dad, she said, she op- he opened his Bible and he began to read through his Bible by himself. Just cruising right through, wanted to read the whole thing, wanted to do it in about a year. She said her dad now goes to church every Sunday and whenever there's a revival in town anywhere that's within driving distance, he goes to the revival because he wants to keep growing spiritually. It happened because he was reading this book. He was in the word and the word changed his life. You guys all remember Zach Everett. Zach Everett was a young man who grew up here in town. Zach Everett... Uh, Got into doing some drugs got into a heroin addiction and our church helped zach get clean Got him into rehab got him on the right start and zach is now married with kids and doing fantastic in life And when zach was clean for about 90 days, I went to him I took him out to lunch and I said zach. So we're sitting at like buffalo wild wings and we're eating I said zach. What is it that helped you the most? right? Like our town has a really big drug problem. What is it that helped you the most out of all the things through all the rehabs that you've been to, through everything that you've ever done? What is it that helped you stay clean the most? And right, I'm his pastor. I should know the answer to this, but I'm like, I'm dying to know what is it that helped you the most? He said, reading my Bible helped me more than anything else that I've tried or seen ever. And so now I'm choking on a chicken wing. I'm like, what? Of all the doctors, of all the medicine that you could prescribe, of all of the people who have been in rehab and came out, all of their stories, all of the encouraging words, all of the prayers, everything else, you're telling me that sitting by yourself and reading the words on God, reading the words on these pages has changed your life and given you the power to beat a heroin addiction has helped more than anything else. He said, yes, sir. I said, wow, that's incredible. And so hopefully you're over in the book of Hebrews now. We're in Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to give you the reason that that happens. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, says this. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I'm going to read it one more time. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Of both joints and marrow. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him. With whom we have to do. Gang, this book. Is living. And active. And sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the inspired word of God. And when when people read this book. It cuts them to the heart and it lays your heart wide open and you see your sin and you see yourself the way that God sees you. And on one hand, that's extremely convicting. And on the other hand, it couldn't be more exciting and encouraging because you find out that, yes, you are a wretched sinner. But God loves you despite all of your sin and shame. And he died to save you and set you free from all of that. And it's all right here. And people's lives change when they open this book and they read it for themselves. And so one of the things that I'd like for us to do as we move into the new year is I'd like to give you a little forward notice on some of the things that I'm going to be preaching. And so for the first few months, we're going to start out preaching through the gospels. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible, okay? If you were to divide that by 365, you come out to about 3.25 chapters per day. So if you want a Bible reading plan, read three and a quarter chapters each day. You'll make it through the Bible in one year exactly, okay? I've got a chart down here in front if you're interested. It's just a list of how long it takes for you to read each book of the Bible. And so a lot of times people say, well, I don't read the Bible because I'm too busy, Oftentimes, these same people who say they're too busy will, in the next sentence, talk to you about whatever Netflix show they just stopped binge-watching, right? And so, somehow, we have a generation of people, and, and many of you are included in this, that don't have time to do anything. You're too busy, but you can watch a whole season of XYZ television show in one weekend. Like, that's meant to be funny, but it's really convicting at the same time, isn't it? They say that the average American watches three hours of television each day. That's on average. Three hours of television. If you were to look, it would take you three and a half hours to read the book of Genesis. And it would only take you four minutes to read the book of Obadiah. Obadiah. Four minutes. You know what's going to happen one day? If you're here and you're saved... Right, If you put your faith in Jesus Christ to forgive you of all of your sin, you believe that he died on the cross, he rose from the dead on the third day, you have eternal life. One day you're going to get to heaven and you're going to meet this guy named Obadiah. And he's going to share with you this great story about how he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write words down that came directly from God. And in the same tea or coffee or whatever your beverage of choice is that you're sharing, he's gonna say, Hey, what'd you think about what I wrote? And the sad reality is that a lot of you are gonna go, Yeah. What was your name again? And he's gonna say, You, you, you never read my book? Like, I tried to keep it short, right? I tried to keep it short. So it was an easy read. I, I wrote a pamphlet. I'm not like Moses who wrote five long books that are, that are hard to make it through. I wrote a pamphlet. All you had to do was pick it up. So that's going to happen one day. And even if you go home today and you read through Obadiah in four minutes, only for the reason of that when you meet him one day, you can say you read his book. That's good enough for me. right? I'm, I'm satisfied with that. But you take your average TV show now last about 37 to 42 minutes on netflix right you see that bar across the bottom if you were to read a book of the bible instead you could read half of the books of the bible in the midst of one of those tv shows and so there's a chart here that tells you about how long it takes you to work through each one you're welcome to pick it up if you want to and uh and just be encouraged when i hit a slump reading the bible and i want to feel good about myself like i shared with you a statistic that we're in the top 6% 6% of evangelical churches, statistic-wise. But when I get in a slump, I want to win, right? So I'll, I'll open my Bible, and I'll turn to one of the short books of the New Testament. And I won't just read three chapters of Genesis. I'll read the whole book of First Timothy. And I'll leave and go, yeah, that was a win. I feel real good about that. I'm getting back into the habit of, of reading my Bible again. And so hopefully you'll pick that up. You'll be encouraged uh, to open God's Word and read it. And so what we're going to do is that next week... It will be January 7th. I'm going to preach a a sermon out of the book of Matthew. And so I want us to try to as a church. Read through the book of Matthew next week. The sermon next week, as long as nothing catastrophic happens, is going to be on the book of Matthew. And it's probably going to be an overview of the whole book of Matthew. In a way that you may have never heard it before. And then the next week, we're going to go through Mark. The next week, we're going to go through Luke. And the next week, we're going to go through John. And so hopefully, and over the course of the next month, We can get a jump start as a church family, and we can read through the Gospels together. You following me? So that's the plan. Next week, Matthew. Week after that, Mark. Then Luke. Then John. And then when we move into February, we might keep going if we like it and go with the book of Acts. And so we'll be reading together the same the same things in the Scriptures. And so that means that when you see somebody from our church in town, and you don't have anything to talk about, and you finally stop shivering because it's going to be so doggone cold next week, you say, hey, how are you doing reading Matthew? Aren't you enjoying it? I forgot that Jesus said all of those things. Isn't that fascinating? And so hopefully this will be encouraging for us as a church body. And then we'll be doing the main thing that helps people grow spiritually. And that's getting into this book. So the other things that, that we're going to try to do at the beginning of this new year is that we're going to do some prayer and fasting together. Okay? We're not looking to, to move any direction yet, but we're at a place as a church body where it's time for us to together move a certain direction. And we don't want to move any direction until we hear from God and hear exactly where he wants us to go. And so we're going to be praying together and we're going to be fasting together. And we've already got set up the next four Wednesday nights. So that's Wednesday, January the 3rd, January 10th is all in the church email that we sent out earlier we're going to be fasting as a church family those Wednesdays and so Tuesday after you eat dinner don't have anything to eat until Wednesday when we come together as a church we're going to get together at six o'clock on Wednesday nights and we're going to have a meal together and then we're going to have a special time of prayer and we're going to break the fast together we've done this in in segments throughout uh, our time together but we're going to do it every Wednesday night ...for the next four weeks. There's a sign-up sheet down the hallway right there. You can sign up to eat with us. We're going to have soup and sandwiches on Wednesday night. If you'd like to bring anything, be a part of what we're doing. Uh, Gina White is organizing all of the food for us. So if you want to bring something, see her. But the point is, turn over to the book of Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 17. So we're going to do our best to jumpstart all of us getting in the word together, reading the word together. Then we're in Matthew chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 14. When they came to the crowd, Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly, I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So, brothers and sisters, we are all the same for the most part at this church, and that is that we all have a competitive streak in us a mile long, okay? You spend just a little bit of time talking with anybody in our church and you find out that we're all bitten with the same bug to compete. In my family, it's so bad. We've got three boys and everything is a competition. And my wife shared with us the other day when she was trying to convince us to watch one of her shows instead of our shows, um, that we should watch something where people aren't competing, which naturally means you should go to the Hallmark Channel but we didn't do it. We stood strong, men. don't worry. But we realized that even the things that we like to watch on TV are all competitions. It's all sports. It's all YouTube videos where people are doing these incredible things, competing against one another. Guys, I'm not, as your pastor, and you're not either, if you think about it, ever going to be content with the status quo. We want to be, as a church, everything that God has called us to be everything. We don't want to stop short. And if we're going to be everything that God wants us to be moving on through the years, it's got to be coupled with reading this word and with prayer and with fasting. And over the course of the next year, as we're praying and fasting and we're in his word, we're going to discern what God's will is for our church. And then together, we're going to go in that direction. But it's only going to be after we're immersed in his word. It's only going to be after we're praying together. It's only going to be after we're fasting together that we discern what he wants. Not what you want. Not what your grandmother wanted. Not what your mom wanted. Not what I want. But what he wants. And that's what we're going to be after. And so what that looks like is that I'm inviting you to come on this journey with us. Come on Wednesday night. Make prayer meetings part of your priority, at least for the next quarter. Come to church on Wednesday night, having fasted all day on Wednesday, and break the fast with us, praying with us that God would give our church direction. The book of Proverbs in verse 28 says, Without vision, the people perish. If we don't catch a God-sized vision, gang, we are doomed. And that's what we're after in 2018. We want to grow reading his word. We want to be in prayer. We want to be fasting. And we want to go where he wants us to go, doing exactly what he wants us to do. Amen? So I'm inviting you on Wednesday nights to be a part of that. I'll send out another email to you. If you're not on our email list, uh, get in touch with me and I'll put you on it. But that's going to be the main way that we communicate through all of this is through those church-wide emails. I love you guys. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do through us and with us. Great job again uh, with your numbers for last year. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the forgiveness of sins and the eternal life that's only found in you. Lord, I pray for our church that we would be a church that is in your word constantly. Father, I pray that we would meditate on it. I pray that we would memorize it. And Lord, I pray that it would always be on our lips, encouraging one another with it. Father, I do pray that you would help us to put down the remote and to pick up your Holy Spirit-inspired word. Lord, I pray also that you would give us the desire and the courage to fast. Lord, I pray that we would we would skip meals and we would pray that we would seek your face. And Father, I pray that we as a church would be united in doing your will. Lord, we love you. And lastly, we pray, if there's anyone here who's never put their faith in you, to forgive them of their sins and give them eternal life. Lord, I pray that today would be the day they do it. And it's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with us for our hymn of invitation. Well, as always, it was good to see you guys again this week. I pray you have a, a great new year. I pray that you have a good time tonight. hope that those of you can stay up till midnight. that will try. I'll be fast asleep by then. Love you guys and I'm looking forward to what the Lord is going to do with our church in 2018. I'm going to ask Jack Powell if you would close us in prayer.